Thanks for tuning in to Mystic Witch. I'm your host, Blue. You can find out more about me at bluejunetarot.com. Mystic Witch is a podcast about magic, divination, and all things supernatural. School of Design, but chose tattoo as her trade 12 years ago. During a time when the collective was going through major shifts, Erica moved from New Orleans to NYC, where shamanism remains a huge part of her craft. Erica has found a unique way to unite her shamanic work with her art, and I'm so very excited to share this woman's practice with you today. Welcome, Erica. Hi, Blue. Thank you so much. I'm really excited and honored to be speaking with you today. I'm so excited to share with everyone what you do. Uh, But first, let's get to know you a little bit. What's the magical tool you use the most often and how do you use it? The magical tool, I would have to say my rattle. Um, I have several rattles. I've made some of them. Um, Some of them have been given to me as gifts. I've bought some from other um, rattle makers. And I have one in particular that is very plain and very simple. And well, I say plain. Um, Visually, it's it's not very decorative or embellished, um, but it's very powerful. And yes, it's often in my hand. So (laughs) what do you use it for um I use it for journeying mainly uh anytime that I need to journey and travel into the spirit world connect with spirit I use a rattle you can use a drum as well or something that has a repetitive beat but the rattle seems to be um the fastest form of sound for me to use And I guess everyone's a little bit different when it comes to journeying, like what their body and, you know, their organs, their brain, their heart, what that's going to respond to. Definitely. Yes. So what's the idea behind the rattle? What, what does it pull you in? How does it pull you into a journey? It's the, the sound and the repetitive beat at at a certain pace. It creates like the, your brainwaves, it fools your brain into thinking that you're basically asleep. So you're asleep without being asleep and you're able to travel and sort of dream while you're in a wake, in a wake state. All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about how you found your shamanic path? And also you studied at Rhode Island School of Design. I'd love to hear more about your history in, in academia there as well. Sure. Um, I have always been an artist and I went to school, um, in Rhode Island and I thought I was going to move to New York actually right after I graduated in 2000 and I came here and visited, but it ended up being very overwhelming for me at the time. And clearly it just wasn't meant to be at that time. Um, so when I moved here in 2012, shamanism started popping up in my awareness. Uh, it was like, to me, an elder, a tribal elder, he had like long dreadlocks with clay beads that would clack. I would hear the clacking beads and 
it was just a very interesting experience to suddenly have this presence that was trying to get my attention. I researched as much as I could, and I bought some books, and I was trying to teach myself how to journey, but it was a little scary for me at the time because I was so unfamiliar. And I looked online, and I found a shaman who lived, a shamanic practitioner who lived about 15 minutes away from where I was living out on Long Island. Her name, her name is Denise Garang. And I contacted her and she helped me learn how to journey and feel not afraid to feel comfortable journeying. And, um, I joined a drum circle that she would host at her house once a month. And it was such an amazing opportunity. And just like my first steps into this, huge, incredible world that little did I know at the time was going to be my whole world. So it was very exciting. And tell me a little more about Rhode Island School of Design. Um, I went there, I went to Mississippi State University for my first year of school. I knew I wanted to be an artist and study art. So being that I grew up in Mississippi, that was just an easy choice to make to go there for my first year. But during the summer after my senior year of high school, I did a month-long program in France with Rhode Island School of Design. And doing that program, I met other students that already went to Rhode Island School of Design and teachers as well. And I knew immediately that I wanted to transfer there. So I transferred after my freshman year and I studied illustration and it really lended itself very nicely to what I would end up doing um, career-wise, which is tattooing. And I was able to use my illustration background um, to take people's ideas, verbal ideas, and turn them into an image. Yeah. And speaking of being born and raised in Mississippi, uh, didn't you say that you had a fairly shamanic maternal side of the family? I did, yes. And they did not know it at the time, uh, but they were very shamanic. My mom still is. My my parents are amazing humans, and I love them so much. And um, I had such a great childhood and lovely like family all around. Uh, but my, my mother and grandmother were always very connected and... You know, they didn't know what to call it to them. It was just a natural way of being. And they believed that trees had had spirits and were alive and were aware. And, you know, animals and stones were all all living beings. And it was really a magical, a magical childhood. I actually can relate to that because I am clairsentient. And when I was a child, I used to collect just regular rocks. And, you know, pet rocks were not a thing in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all had names. Uh, and I had, an, a pet, I had a pet alarm clock. So there were just <laughs> certain things that had, you know, a little more life to them, to me. Yes. <laughs> and I guess I actually still, I still feel like quite the animist because I recently bought a mirror from, um, from an estate sale and a shamanic friend of mine was like, I was like, oh, it does not want to be cleaned. It does not like this, but it has to be. And my friend was like, <laughs> 
Look at you, you little animus, you little clairsentient being. (laughs) No, it doesn't like it. It doesn't like it, but it needs it. (laughs) That's funny. I think that would would have been really cool to have somebody that actually understood what I was doing rather than what is wrong with her. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) So tell us, uh, you, I'm really excited to hear about your trip to Ecuador and your work with the shamans there. Yeah. So I met Denise and I worked with her for a little while and the, the monthly circle was so amazing. We became like a little family. Um, and that had to break up because Denise was continuing her own education. And around that time is when I moved from Long Island to Brooklyn. And it was it was harder for me to get out there anyway. So um, I I began searching for other, other people in the community that practiced and other teachers and classes and anything really that I could get my hands on. Books, I was just diving headfirst into this and... I found the um, New York Open Center, which has been an incredible resource for me. And uh, there I found Itzhak Beery, who teaches classes throughout the year. And some of them are like weekend workshops and some of them are spread out over, you know, four to eight weeks. It all depends on the class. But um, I met Itzhak and signed up for some classes and he spoke last year about this trip that he was organizing and it was um a trip that was a vision that he and his teacher shared where they would unite the eagle of the north american and the condor of south america and they would fly together and practice together and just bring our our worlds into into one um so i heard about it last year but it was very close to the trip and I wasn't able to go, but I knew that I was going to go the following year, which was this past summer, this past June. So I had a full year to prepare and just be excited. And I, um, went to, we went to Quito and then we traveled from there to Ibarra to a hacienda and there we had classes and healings and just, shared experience ceremonies, shared experiences with more than 10, um, local indigenous shamanic practitioners and shamans. And it was just definitely one of the most amazing experiences of my life, just getting to meet these people. And they were so loving and so open and excited that we were there and wanting to learn. And it was absolutely wonderful. It was called the Andes summit and it, It's going to happen again this following summer as well. Nice. Um, Did something happen uh, regarding plant medicine in your messages? Yes. So I've never really thought much about trying ayahuasca. Um, It just never really spoke to me. But when when I went and I met the, the shaman who held the ayahuasca ceremony, and I just heard him speak. I, I knew that I was supposed to try it. And I tried ayahuasca as well as Huachuma, which is San Pedro, which is basically like peyote. Um, and it was it was in these experiences that I was given the message that the focus of my healing was to be through my hands. Things that I create through my hands, things that I do with my hands, 
both like like Reiki is one example or tool making, like making rattles, or I was also given the message that I was to combine my, my paths, which have been tattooing and actually jewelry making and art and, and combine those with shamanism in any way that I could find. Yeah. That's the dream that you could take all of your creative outlets and use them for the same purpose. Yes. Yes. So I was given a message that I should offer healing ceremonial tattoo sessions for people. And I was like, I kind of like laughed it off. I was like, no, that sounds a little cheesy. I don't know if I'm going to do that. And uh, but then I was thinking about it and I was like, no, actually, that's really beautiful because people sometimes write me like thank you notes um, for the tattoos that they receive from me because say a person is really you know, self-conscious about their arms or, you know, the, their pale legs, they never wanted to show them and they get tattooed and it completely changes their, their outlook and the way they view and feel about their body. And so just receiving those messages from people, the, just the gratitude and, and joy that they have from the tattoos that they receive, I, I felt like actually doing a conscientious version of creating a healing tattoo or a tattoo with a specific intention for people could actually be really amazing. So that's, that's where we ended up. Without giving too many details, uh, because it's very personal for your clients to come to you with specific concerns. Um, so obviously I respect their privacy, but can you just tell us some examples of the the purposes that some of your uh, sigil tattoos have have had? Sure, yeah. Um, so you can get them for things like general health, like um, or protection or joy. Someone you know might be experiencing heartbreak and and want to just in, invoke happiness and joy and love in their life. So that would be an example or self-love is another big one that, that a symbol would like help you to remember and help you to be aware of and just bring into your life more things like that. Yeah. That's really, really cool though. And you've been able to help so many people with this tattoos. I know have a history of, well, you know, it's speculative because honestly, like not a lot of tattoo history is well recorded. There are right, plenty right. of photographs, but not like actually, why did you get this piece? But like, you know, you would think that most people get tattoos for a specific purpose or a reason. Um, and I'm sure most people do, to be honest. Um, but what do you understand the history of, of like spiritual attachment to tattoos? Well, people will get tattoos to kind of commemorate events in their lives, um, to help them process grief or trauma or like deaths. That's a big one to get memorial tattoos, which is really amazing and a huge honor to be able to help a person through in any way that I can, you know? Um, but the history of tattooing, it has a history of, um, like religious tattooing. I know in Egypt and places in that area, they believe that the tattooing, the marks 
made on the skin were for religious purposes, spiritual purposes. Um, and I don't, you know, there's not a whole lot that I know about that is recorded about that. But, um, the Iceman is probably the oldest, I believe, example of tattoos to be found. Um, and he has marks like along his spine and his wrist and his knees and ankles and, it indicates that they were possibly for medical reasons, which is completely fascinating, but it makes sense because some indigenous tribes use bees. Um, they'll use bees or ants to bite or sting them in places where they have arthritic flare-ups, and the stings cause blood flow to come to that area, and it relieves the pain of arthritis so it would make sense that tattooing would do a similar thing well can you walk us through an amulet session what can people expect uh to happen within that time and how long does it take sure um so i never really know exactly how long it's gonna take but i it has so far taken around an hour and a half that seems really fast it it's moves pretty quickly most of the time. Um, and I spend most of the time actually doing the Reiki. So the client arrives and we sit down and we have a small conversation. So far, people have been really knowledgeable about exactly what their intent is for the session and for their tattoo, which has been great. Um, but if they're, if they're not fully sure, you know, I'll, I'll speak to them and maybe ask them some questions and just kind of get a feeling for what's going on. And you totally don't have to have a super specific reason. You can, you can see what happens like regarding messages from my guides or, you know, it's a very fluid process. So, um, we have a conversation and then I'll have them lie down and just kind of meditate on the purpose for their being there. And I will rattle and journey and, uh, I will talk to my guides and they usually show me several things, you know, three to five or six things that are all related in some way to why the person is there. Um, in the witchy and shamanic community, I guess you would refer to it as medicine. So, you know, you might get snake medicine or some kind of tree medicine or rose or different things pop up. I never really know what's going to happen. And so once I see the images, I stop rattling and I will start to draw and I will basically stylize what I saw in to a symbol and I'll just combine all of the elements into one symbol and I'll, I'll make five or six different versions of like a similar idea. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the client will get to look at them and choose which one I guess speaks to them the most. And most everyone immediately sees one and just like points straight at it, which is really exciting. Um, but <laughs> Definitely, if there's, like, a part of one and a part of another that, like, you like half of one and half another, um, they can be combined or, you know, manipulated in a way that that the client is really stoked about. And so then um, they get to choose the placement. That really doesn't matter to me. It's totally what their preference is. And the size 
has been pretty much business card size ish, like two to three inches or smaller. Um, but it's, it's also pretty flexible. Um, so I apply the tattoo and then I go into the shamanic Reiki healing session and I will, uh, give them shamanic Reiki in their, their top chakras, like the crown and third eye and usually like the heart. And then I will sit and I will charge their new tattoo with the energy of their intention. Wow. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's exactly what I was expecting. But um, I think you deal with, uh, I'm going to just say mediumship because um, outside of shamanism, uh, you could still talk to your helping spirits and ask for things for yourself or protection or um, information about a client. Um, <clears throat> and really, like, I think ultimately the big umbrella term for that would be mediumship. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you actually function the same way I do, it sounds like, where I really don't deal with other people's spirits. I have a block for that. Uh, I have them. It's a little bit, things can get a little construed because it's a little bit of telephone. Their spirits talk to my spirits <laughs> and my spirits relate to me. Yes. Is that what you yes. do? Yes. Yes. Ah! Sure. Okay. So <laughs> back to you. <laughs> um, so you do the channeling, you have a conversation, you do the channeling, you must be getting images really quick off the bat because I'm still shocked that all of that happens in an hour and a half to two hours. What? How? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I actually have had one client who I'm not sure why. I mean, who knows? Could be a million different reasons why. Um, but I rattled and rattled and rattled and rattled and rattled and I could not get any images. And I was like starting to panic, but then I was like, no, it's just, you know, things just have to settle. Whatever's going on, the fog will clear. It'll, it'll come just keep rattling. So it was like a really drawn out rattle time for that client. But, um, generally it happens pretty quickly. It's funny, the the more you journey, the, the faster you can be at it. I guess if that's grammatically correct. Um, yeah. The faster you can journey, the more that you practice. So it, it helps that I do this every day, um, and I kind of, like, just build that muscle up. So I can pretty quickly kind of slip into it, and, and yeah, it... it moves pretty quick. I thought it was going to actually take longer myself, the first few that I did. And then they were right around an hour and a half. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would block off three hours for this kind of work. You know, I do have to say though, that I, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you also include the Reiki at the end. So you give, you charge the work, but I'm curious, I guess my, one of my biggest curiosities is, does it also help heal the tattoo a little bit faster? Well, in theory, yes. <laughs> um, and I have given Reiki to someone who's been getting tattooed by someone else, and she said that it actually helped her a lot. So I thought that was completely fascinating. I think, I think there is something to this, and I think yeah. you're, you're on to something pretty huge with that, actually. 
<laughs> I think that's so rad. It's super fun. It's really fun. And it makes me feel really happy to be able to do this for people because it, it just feels like I'm meant to be doing it. And it just yeah. really brings me joy. So <laughs> It's a calling. It's something you were yeah. literally told you don't have a choice. You have to do yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love when that happens. I was told I have to sing by my my power animal and I was like no but yes I burst into song at the end of every section as well so there's that <laughs> well I'm sure you have a lovely voice so it's oh, fine um <laughs> I'm curious too about pricing do you charge a little bit more for this extra energy work that you're doing and uh I'm sure like the price is comparable for the actual tattoo to other pieces those sizes right well the price is a flat fee it's three hundred dollars is the the price and um it the the tattoo size varies it depends on what uh you know the location is going to be and what the client would like so but they've been pretty much the same size and that does include the tattooing and the reiki and just the whole session so so it's really more about the work that you're charging for not the time and it sometimes can be in and out in an hour and a half. That's incredible. That's a great right, price, yeah. by the way. I think that's Thanks. more than fair. I think you should be charging more. But <laughs> that's just that's just my vibration with money right now. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I'm struggling with that one. So one book that really helped me, and I'm on my third round with it, is uh, Jen Sincero's "You Are a Badass at Making Money." Awesome. And honestly, it's like within the first chapter or two, you're like, wow, I have been telling myself all kinds of lies about the money being the root of all evil and that money and greed are the same thing. And uh, you just start to slowly shift your whole vibration with income and finance and money. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And she's, she's really fun to read too. I'm, I'm, I'm going through it again because, you know, those old ways of thinking easily seep back in. So I'm really trying to rewire once and for all. That's why I'm doing it for a third time. And I kept a journal with it each time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she, she's, she's definitely a life coach, uh, more than a healer, but she understands this stuff because she talks about saying things in mantras, you know, she definitely gets it. She gets it all back to you. So how can people find your work, take a look at it let's say social media or website? And then how can they book you if they're in the New York City area? Um, yeah, so basically everything is um, on Instagram, the wonderful world of Instagram. Um, I am building a website, but because I'm not the greatest with technology, it's very slow going, but it's coming. Uh, <laughs> but right now, Instagram is the, the main place to see all of these tattoos um, and they I asked to be emailed rather than messaged on social media just because I can't keep up with all the different places. So um, if people email me, that is amazing. And um, my email address is Tattoo at gmail.com. 
Cool. Well, put that uh, email address in the notes to the show so people can easily find it. Right. Thank yeah. You. Thank you so much, Erica. This has been lovely. Thank you so much for sharing this incredible practice with us. Thank you, Blue. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I really appreciate this opportunity. Stay mystic, witches. Be sure to subscribe to Mystic Witch on any of your favorite platforms. And you can show your support by contributing monthly at anchor.fm or on our Patreon page. Follow us on social media to hear exclusive audio clips from our guests at Mystic Witch Podcast. Mystic Witch.